0: Welcome home, I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham, and this podcast is the Home at
1: class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms who've been real-life best friends for more than two decades. We're trying to create gracious homes that are welcoming, but also functional, all while dealing with real-life schedules, budgets, and children.
0: Stick with us, and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. You're listening to Welcome Home.
1: On today's episode of Welcome Home, we'll discuss the psychology of grocery shopping, couponing, and why it turns out, in the end, we're just not that intelligent.
0: Plus, why those on a tight budget should avoid classical music, the dirty secret of French fonts, and why Graham always breaks left when entering a supermarket. All that and more on today's episode of Welcome Home.
1: Welcome home, Graham. Welcome home, Kirsten. So five years in the making. Five, what what are you talking about?
0: I wanted, oh, to, yes, do wanted to do this episode. Yes. Yes. This is like supermarkets uncovered. Today is like the secrets of supermarkets. And we literally brought in the best expert. We could we buy. actually have we I tracked him down. We have the best expert. In fact, we are so cool. I'm gonna give us, ourselves a little pat on the back. We did an interview that spans two days. <laughs> As Karim and I said, this is where the art of podcasting
1: became the science of podcasting. You guys know how many time zones are in Australia?
0: Many, many. There are many. Do you know how many time zones are in the world? I think there's something like 115. So today on our show, we have Dr. Paul Harrison. He is a major international figure in the consumer behavior sciences. He actually is in Australia. He's the... um, head of the department of marketing unit
1: chair of consumer behavior in the department of marketing at deacon business school is that what you're trying to say Graham?
0: that's exactly what i'm trying to say but he is he's kind of the definitive uh, companies from all over the globe call him he is the head of research i think again he may have come from the wall street journal we tracked him down he's he's just constantly being quoted and we got him we got him on the show he knows Uh, all about consumer behavior um yeah i was
1: actually googling before we we, when we were researching this I was googling um I just put in google the psychology of supermarkets and I came upon this business um business insider interview intervie- interview sure enough they were like Mr. Harrison says Dr. Harrison yeah. says,
0: he's God. completely quoted and we got him we got him on Welcome Home so we're very honored um but today we're talking about supermarkets and why we more do what and we more. do well and how they we yeah and then we could just got into this kind of very deep philosophical, psychological conversation about like the meaning of life. You're going to like this one. I think this is a fun episode.
1: You know who I really wish had been a fly on the wall for this conversation?
0: Your dad, my dad, your dad, your dad. Yes, I know because he's getting schooled by Costco every single day. We discussed explaining the mustard situation. Have we discussed the mustard situation? I don't
1: think, so, I don't think the, know <laughs> the mustard situation, grew.
0: This is a great story. So my father. We're not really sure how to describe him, but he is the kind of man
1: who is not going to tolerate a bad honeydew from
0: Costco. He is bringing it back. My dad is a professional returner of things. He retired a little bit too early, and now he spends his days wandering Costco looking for deals. We're not even sure. Um, But if he gets a bad piece of fruit, he will return it. I mean, I don't know if any of you do that, but yeah, if he cuts into a melon or a honeydew that's not ripe, it's going back to the store. Right. And, and It's worth a trip to the store, no matter how much the gas costs or the time or the labor not, or whatever. So he's
1: That's basically just- proving what Paul said about it. it's just not worth your time. But anyhow, so there was the the free refill situation.
0: Oh, yeah. So Costco, if anyone's familiar with it, you can buy a soda, a drink, like at the little market they have at the front where they sell the food for like 99 cents or 89 cents. I think it's well, like my-
1: 49 cents. It's something
0: idea. very reasonable. It's
1: already very- quite reasonably priced. <laughs>
0: Right, right. So one day, many, many moons ago, my dad purchased a soda and he drank it. And then he promptly went home and he washed out his cup. And the next day when he went back to Costco, he brought his cup back. And then the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And And then at some point he realized that his cup was still like holding strong, but he just was like not in the mood for soda. So he decided to start filling his cup no, with- No, Graham, that's not what happened. Oh my gosh, I can't believe he's your dad and I'm remembering the story. He got called
1: out. They're like, there are no free refills. You have to stop bringing your cup, remember? because
0: <laughs> right, he kept bringing the same cup.
1: you yeah, yeah, right, right. was so bitter that they stopped doing free refills. Although there were never free refills. That was a policy he made of himself. Well, it was free
0: refills if you were there that day. That was the issue, right? Oh, like, was you was don't get, okay, 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 get re-refills you know in perpetuity. It wasn't like- <laughs> it wasn't one time you bought a soda 49. for 49 cents and That's you could drink like forever <laughs> so,
1: so he's like okay you know where there's, there's it's always free the
0: mustard condiment <laughs> <The> <laughs> bar, you know, where you could put stuff on your hot dogs and it comes out in the squeeze container. So my dad started going over and filling his old Pepsi cup up with mustard. Like, but it was actually like a really nice mustard that they put out. Um, Like it wasn't a normal, just yellow mustard. It actually had those little seeds in it. It was really nice. And the only reason I learned the story and busted him on it was because I was home. Like this was post-college. Like I think I had a child and he like, my dad loves mustard, by the way. Like he has a collection of mustard. And we had one of these old, like, Bon Marm, you know, the, the, the jelly containers that he had filled with this delightful, glorious mustard. It was so good. And we were sampling the mustard over some family meal, and that was the mustard that he told us was the Costco-free mustard that he'd been getting.
1: <laughs> to be fair, I remember using the same logic when we got stuck in a teeping situation in middle school and we needed toilet paper. And they weren't, I mean, technically, you weren't stealing toilet paper from the gas station because it was free. They just yeah. never expected that people would take it all to go teepee. We felt oh. really bad about it. We returned it. But like that's so that's your dad's thought process with the mustard. It's not like. Right. The mustard was technically free. They just Or that was like my grandma at like Starbucks. Like she'd get a, a
0: she'd get a cup of coffee at Starbucks and then she'd think that you could take like all the sugars you wanted in perpetuity forever, right? Like you could just get as much sweet and low and like Splenda as you wanted just for life. So, well, to be fair, it's free. Right. I mean, you could just, anyone could walk in and grab those sweet and lows and splendas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. These well, are, I don't think Paul are, would condone These are the, uh, the gray areas in ethics, the ethical human decisions we have to make shopping. Um, ethical gray areas. Okay. Well, Graham, I know that this is way past your bedtime.
0: Oh, we're taping late tonight because um, in Australia, it's... A brisk early morning, and so Kirsten and I had to tape a little late tonight in order to accommodate you know what, this interview.
1: You know what we have to talk about too is you know what Boots did for Lent. You know what he gave up, which okay. I feel like is a little bit. I I respect him. I want to support him, okay. but like it's a little bit like of changing my life without asking me. Mm. Um, he gave up going to bed after ten
0: p.m. or staying okay, up. So he so okay. So he's going to bed early.
1: So lights out every night, 10 p.m., TV off, lights out, no email, no phones, none of that. That's
0: impossible for you. How do you do that? You're
1: a night owl. No, I'm not. I'm not a night owl. He's a night owl. So this has been a real bit. I mean, but I'm not like at 10 p.m., but I have to say it. like 8 o'clock at night now, I start stressing like, oh, my gosh, I got to, you know, Um, but I'm actually
0: loving it. Oh, well, that's like my M.O. I'm always sleeping by 10. Are so you welcome sleep- to my world. What time do your kids uh, go to sleep? Well, unfortunately, like 9.45. <laughs> so it's like kids go to, so you don't get that, that like buffer time. There's, I literally have zero buffer in my life. I, I have see, no I buffer. The buffers. moment, the moment I open my eyes, I have a child. The moment I close my eyes, there's a child. There's, there's not a minute of buffer.
1: Well, we school.
0: Yes, that is true. We do have those, those little school times. So we're taking those, but yeah, no, we're in the no buffer stage. Yeah. Okay. I guess it's
1: yeah. always a phase, but I, I really liked kind of that hour of the house being quiet at night, but it is nice to get a s- good night's sleep. Oh, what time do bus-
0: your kids to go to sleep? You So you went to sleep at 11. They
1: went to bed at 10. Uh, no, not 10. They go to bed at like 9. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, it's not it's not enough buffer because it's like, you know, technically
0: they do. That's but impossible. There's no way your oldest, who's 14, goes to bed at 9 o'clock. Mine goes to bed at like 9.45. That's imp-
1: what time did you just get up? 7. Oh, see, we get up at like 5.45. Ooh. Oh, yeah. that's rough. That's yeah. rough. Yeah. Okay, 5.45. No, so we're gonna, yeah, he's got to be out the bus at like 7. Ooh, that's crazy. Okay, yeah, so we can sleep till 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't okay. sleep till it's like 7. It's the same hours. Can. It's the same hours then. Okay, just checking. I mean, they're growing. They're growing. But anyway, this is probably a boring conversation to everyone else. But I have to say, I'm getting – I'm enjoying this. Also, you know what else I've been doing that has been a game-changer So I read, I mean, this is not breaking news. Everybody knows this, but you're supposed to like drink a lemon water before you have your first cup of coffee.
0: Mm, Yes, I have heard that. It's hard though.
1: Well, I have found my hack is that at night I put a lemon water really cold with like a couple ice cubes by my sink Mm -hmm. bathroom and then I
0: I get up and I have it. It's a nice normal temperature and you're ready to go.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And so, like, I drink it while I'm walking down the stairs to make my coffee. And by the time I've gotten downstairs and the coffee's brewed, I've had it. Oh, that's good. Can I give you another
0: hack? You're actually supposed to drink kind of warm lemon water. That actually I know, I know. But that's just a bridge too far. I'm starting slow. Okay. All right. I would prefer the warm beverage in the morning. but
1: just- it, it knocks you out, though. I mean, not actually. It wakes you up. It knocks you off your feet or asleep or whatever. You know? I
0: want to tell our listeners, though, for a second, though, that, like, we only bring really good interviews because Kirsten and I actually taped two interviews today and we scratched one.
1: We did scratch one. So- it. it was nice, but
0: it just wasn't – we didn't feel like it was value and we respect your time, so – I think that's yeah. what I'm saying. So this is an excellent interview. This is a Dr. Harrison is fascinating. I think you're really going to enjoy this, but just so you know, and I think this kind of goes with the people that we advertise with too, is that we turn down advertisers. We're really, to be honest, we love it. If you have interest in the people we advertise with, but if not, that's fine too. Um, it doesn't really matter to us, but we, um, we get
1: got them. We look for people and on sponsors you would like, and we look for guests you would like. So also let us know.
0: We're always looking for new ideas. Yeah, we haven't had any emails in a while. I think we really do need some emails. No. Um, but at the Welcome Home podcast um, on Instagram, <laughs> send us a message and we can get some good guests. Actually, we should ask um Mary Alice, can you do a quick she's our editor. Um, can you just quick put a quick um, insert in here? So you can reach us at the welcome home pod at gmail.com. That is T H E W E L C O M E H O M E. POD at gmail.com. She keeps us on our game. We would love some more. Oh, and also some more um reviews on iTunes. We haven't asked that for a while. Like I think well, that's a nice like thing. Us, to do. Well, if not, no no no. The funniest ones are the people who hate us. But in okay. addition, if you, if you hate us, be this is of. the house okay. this is my housekeeping session too. Interrupts too much, like the spin said, we know, we heard it. We're, I'm sorry, I'm working
1: on it. I'm really working on it.
0: You don't interrupt. You're fine. It doesn't even bother me. We're too close for that. But the other thing I was going to say was um, hello to all of our Australian listeners. We actually have an Australian guest on. So hooray, hooray, hooray. All right. That's for you. This is a shout out to everyone. That was all my housekeeping. I had to get that out.
1: Thank you, Graham. Thank you for excellent housekeeping. Um, Without further ado, choose Graham's favorite expression.
0: Dr. Paul Harrison. And everyone, welcome home. Dr. Harrison. Paul, our new bestie from Down Under. Um, Welcome (laughs) to Welcome Home. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to have a chat with you.
0: We are thrilled. You are actually all over the U.S. press. I read about you. I can't even imagine. I think New York Times, Wall Street Journal. You are kind of everywhere. But I've been wanting to do a show on this topic for years. And I know you deal with all levels of consumer behavior. You are a chair of the Department of Consumer Behavior, among others. Um, But What I want to talk to you today is the supermarket phenomenon. That is um, something that's prevalent, I think, in many of the lives of our listeners. And I know that you can definitely shed a little bit of light on that for us. Um, So if you don't mind, can you just kind of, we're we're just trying to get a little bit of background as to what happens when we are shopping on a day-to-day basis. And is there kind of a broad overview you can kind of start with?
2: Well, yeah, I think so. I think one of the things maybe a really broad overview would be to say that humans are pretty unaware of how the external environment influences their decision making and we're also quite vain about it as well we all think we're in control um but most of our behavior and you know research in this kind of field for the last 20 or 30 years has shown that nearly all of our behaviour is automatic. It happens outside our awareness that uh, lots of things are learned but become unconscious behaviours. And so whether you're in a supermarket or whether you're in Ikea or whether you're in any kind of consumption environment, there's a lot going on. And the other big overview that I always like to say to people is that you're a single individual with your limited capacity to think through why you're doing what you're doing, whereas particularly with supermarkets, particularly with these big multinational uh, retail environments, they know a lot about what buttons to press. They also know, you know, the the trade-off as well. And I think this is the other thing, is that it's not always about, um, you know, people being pushed towards things they don't want to do. They already know what you want to do. They just basically give you a gentle nudge. And, you know, in psychology and in consumer behaviour, You know, we don't actually want to convert the people who don't want our products. What we're doing is that we're looking for people who are goal-oriented and by goal-oriented, we can talk about that in a little bit of detail if you like. They're the people who are most uh, useful to marketers because they know that the effort required to convert them, to get them to do the thing that you want them to do is, is not as much as people who are never going to be your customers.
0: Okay, so wait, just unpack that a little bit. Goal oriented. So, what would that what would that mean? Who would that be?
2: Okay, well, a good example of goal orientation, and, and I'll I'll use it in a, in in relation to a study as well, is that a lot of people may have heard of subliminal advertising. This idea that um, you are you are given subliminal messages without you knowing. Subliminal be, me, meaning below the kind of awareness threshold. The thing is that it does tend to work t- to some degree, but only if you're goal-oriented towards the thing that is being promoted to you. So if I'm not hungry, if I've never eaten, and I'll I'll use a brand, if I've never eaten a McDonald's hamburger, if I don't like hamburgers, um, then any kind of uh, messaging, whether it's subliminal or superliminal or, or, you know, out there and we notice it, is not really going to have an effect because I'm not oriented towards actually wanting to eat that burger Um, the the other thing to be thinking about is goal orientation is if I feel a a sense of uncomfortableness uh, uncomfortableness, so a sense that there's something missing um, that might be when I become goal oriented and I look out to find ways to try and understand how I can resolve that sense of unease and so goal orientation is you already have to have a sense that I want to solve this problem in some way and over time we will have built up Different ways to think about how we solve that problem. And nearly all consumption, nearly all behavior really, is about us noticing unconsciously or consciously that there is a gap between our kind of desired self and our actual self. And then what marketers and consumer behavior specialists do is that they try to make us feel like this is going to solve our problem. And it's whether it's supermarkets or not, it is always about saying, this is how you're going to solve your problem, and that's why you know they, they use all these different techniques.
1: My head is spinning. I have so many follow up questions. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fascinating. It's a little. I don't know. Do other students have this reaction? I, do you love if I just put myself as a student in, in your class, but do, do your students have the same reaction as me, where it feels a little like um, upsetting? Maybe that I'm so that I'm so easily because I believe you, but I'm like mm. so sad. That I'm
0: so easily influenced. Well, Paul, okay, let me give you some background on the two of us. Kirsten is the most easily manipulated person. She, <laughs> will, she falls for everything and I fall for nothing. So we're oh, right. the two sure. opposite levels of consumers. In fact, I remember um, when I first got a little taste of this, when I was going through business school, I remember them saying that they realized that because most people in the world are right-handed, that they, um, I guess most people would break right when they entered a store, right? They would Hmm. move to the right side. And so they Hmm. almost had created, they put all the money, the attention, the focus into moving the, I guess, client or customer through the right side of the store. And I always felt like I was beating them because I intentionally break (laughs) left whenever I walk through a store.
2: Yes, well, maybe you are in your own little way <laughs> beating them. And look, you know, that there, there is some research that says that if you get people to move through a store in a particular way that they spend a little bit more, It's you know, $2 per shop or something like that. Um, from memory, I think it's if you get them to go counterclockwise, I think they spend a little bit more. But I, I think this is the thing is, and to come to your point, Kirsten, I think what it comes down to is that actually nobody should necessarily need to know all of these things i think it's more about an awareness and in terms of my students and i teach in the mba program at my university at Deakin university and one of the things is that what my goal is to undo some of that element that they think that they're in control so that in a way um first of all that they behave ethically and i think that's one thing that i try to build into any teaching program is that Having knowledge is actually a very powerful thing. And so if you're running a business, you need to actually be responsible with that knowledge. And the other thing then is to say that you should feel uncomfortable in your current thinking, because if you don't feel uncomfortable, then you're not learning anything. And so my, my task is always to at least undo some of the maybe one of a better phrase, the arrogance that might kind of exist amongst humans that, you know, that we that we think we're in control, that we think we know all of all of the reasons why we're we're doing what we're doing. So
1: we have a sponsor for you, Graham, and this sponsor could not be more near and dear to our hearts, nor more timely, because our favorite holiday is coming up. Well, Halloween? No, it's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. By the way, I don't want to pick a bone with you, but I don't. I have to remind you that this week is actually Graduate Student Appreciation Week, and I don't feel. Nearly appreciated by you. No one's done anything for you. You've I'm done so nothing
0: to like mark that. this. Where's my corporate gift basket? Okay. Well, maybe we'll take a picture and put it in a frame. How about that? Um, oh, no, that's so old school. Yeah, it is old school. So the best thing is, so we have our number one. We have sold a lot of frames for Aura Frames because they're amazing. So anyone who doesn't know what they are, Aura Frames, truly we met them years ago at a conference and the product is so cool. It's a digital frame that you can upload any of your pictures to anytime anyone in your family can upload their pictures to, And you can share them and change them out and um, plug it in in your house. And it is the easiest to use frame you've ever seen. Like it's seamless. You know how when you open your um an iPhone, like when you get a new iPhone and you open the box and it just like somehow sets itself up for you. That's kind of like an aura frame and they're beautiful.
1: They are beautiful. That's why we were so attracted to them is because they're attractive. It has been named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, Graham's favorite magazine, and has been selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. And we all know that Graham is the Gale and I'm the Oprah. Um, but Oprah's favorite things, three years running. It's guaranteed to make mom smile. And that actually is true because my mom hates all things techie and it's her favorite thing and it's in her kitchen.
0: Well, and don't forget, they also now they've gotten like or frames get better and better and better all the time. You can now do video clips together.
1: Oh no, I know that we have we have video clips. I watched them show um, show up in my mom's kitchen. So from now until Mother's Day, listeners can save on the perfect gift and visit or when they visit Aura Frames. So that's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. And you can use our code Welcome Home to get up to $40 off while supplies last. Terms and conditions, of course, apply, but that's actually a pretty smoking deal. Um this has really been like no one knows what to get their mom. And- well, and
0: I think it's best for grandmas as well. I love this for grandmas and like father-in-laws, people who, um, and moms as well, obviously, but I just think it's a wonderful gift. Like if you have someone who's a little bit older, um, I think it's just the sweetest, most thoughtful gift for them.
1: Yes. Um, also, you know what else I think it'd be really sweet for is to give to some a mom who is working in an office. And you could you give your yes. kids. Like, like my kids have the app on their phone so they can upload photos to my mom. So anyway, it's it's great. It's wonderful.
0: Um we, we love it. And friends. the code is welcome home, all one word. So welcome home, you get up to $40 off while supplies last, terms and conditions apply, and auraframes.com. A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Thank, Thank you, Aura.
1: aura frames. No, no, no. Let's <laughs> put her down. Let's show her all the things she's falling for. So Graham walks into a supermarket. Uh-huh. How do they trick her first? <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a great question. We're talking specifically about Graham now, are we? Okay, I don't, I don't know you well enough, Graham. Um, Go, for, so it. Go I think... for it,
0: Paul. It's a very comfortable space here.
2: Okay, good, good, good. I, I, look, I think one of the... The first things in well, in a perfectly designed supermarket, because this is the other thing is that there's a lot of really poorly designed supermarkets. And I think we have to come to terms with that is that a lot of supermarkets at the local level have their own control. And there are people who work there who don't necessarily draw upon, I guess, the research and the knowledge at the kind of corporate level they're trying to roll out what they know and the the knowledge evolves quite a bit over time but one of the first things that you might notice when you walk into a a well designed supermarket and i i see this in the in the kind of newer ones is I guess the first thing is that you're confronted with something that is fresh and lovely and positive. And so you might have flowers there or you might have the fruit and vegetables or you might have the bakery. I know at one of my local supermarkets now there's a cafe. So it's about saying this is a welcoming place. Come on in. Um, Now that that you've made the decision to even come to the supermarket, we want to make it as positive for you. So you'll never see, I don't know, toilet paper and cleaning products at the front of the supermarket. And the reason is because you don't... I want to be confronted with that when you first get there oh that's the fascinating
0: other- okay do you have trader joe's in australia by any chance i've been Probably. to trader
2: joe's in, in the u.s but we okay don't,
0: yeah. they it's like a flower shop at the front of the store yes. and that's exactly yeah. what you're right you're right or the the little cafe that just makes you think oh let me just go to the deli and i'll get a sandwich and then i'll sit at the cafe this would be so mm-hmm. nice yeah okay
2: and, they, and they, they're they blurring the line. One of the things that supermarkets are getting better at now is blurring the line between the commercial and the personal. So it is now saying this is actually a place for you to come and spend time. It's interesting too because there's, again, conflicting research about how long is the best time to spend in a supermarket and we can come back to that as well because I think it's a really interesting um, study, a couple of studies that have, have looked at, you know, you don't want people in for too long but you also want them in for a, it's kind of like this... Wait, why do a, you not um, want
0: them in for too long? Do they start putting things back on the shelves?
2: Well, the, the worst customers are the people who spend between the 10 and 25 minute mark because they spend less per minute that they're in. So you either want to get people in and out really quickly or you want to keep them in for a longer time. The the 10 to 20, it's a it's a what do you call it? A reverse U-shape kind of thing. It's the the highest return customers are the ones who spend a short time and a long time. It's the uh, the annoying 10 to 25-minute customers that that you don't want in there.
0: Oh, I get it. Okay. So it's like, I'm an idiot. I've got a party coming up. It's Friday night. I'm going to like kamikaze shop. I'm going to get everything, but I'm probably going to spend a fortune because I'm in such a rush that I'm not paying attention to prices. And then the opposite is, ooh, I haven't been shopping. I'm trying to bulk up for a full week. So I'm just going to spend an hour and a half in the store, but you don't want the 10 to 25-minute guys. So those are the ones who are like, hmm, time to dawdle. I'm not really in a hurry but at the same point in time oh I get it I totally get what you're saying
2: yeah and, and we may not know you know we don't notice this and we don't look at our watches and one of the things that supermarkets most of them do is they don't have windows so you don't really know or clocks so you don't know how long you're there it's like a casino, so again, like a casino. it is like a casino <laughs>
1: and I'm realizing I have no idea how long it takes me to shop because when you were saying that I was trying to guess I have no idea how long I spent in a grocery store
0: I'm never shopping between 10 and 25 again. You will not see me in that <laughs> inverse of you. No, that's good for
1: well, you. That's bad for the stores.
2: Well, I think this is, a, and, and this is maybe a myth of of supermarkets as well, is that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, they put the milk and the bread at the end of the uh, aisle so that you go and spend a, a lot of time there. To some degree, that works. But as research has kind of evolved, they've discovered or we've discovered that, actually getting the people in and out really quickly actually has a much higher return on investment than having them in for a a kind of medium level of time. And I think that's the other thing is that, the stuff that has high return on margin, so high profit, and the stuff that you know people are going to buy regularly, that's actually smart to put it in the front of the of the supermarket because people are going to go there, they're going to feel a bit uncomfortable about just getting a, a litre of milk or a pint of milk or something like that, but they're going to buy a couple of things, but the cost to the, the supermarket for, in terms of return on investment, the return on investment is much higher if you can get them in and out within 10 minutes. And though and so that that mythology around sticking the fridges at the back that works kind of but only for those people who are going to spend a, a significant amount of time in the supermarket
0: or the restrooms that drives me nuts that they put the restrooms in the back of the supermarket do, oh
2: do you have restrooms in supermarkets that's oh we that, do we we don't have them in Australia. I, they got rid of them a long time ago. <laughs>
0: what are you supposed to do? My gosh, if you're spending 45 minutes in the restroom, that's impossible. I don't
2: know. Maybe I'd, I'd, they're, they're there, but they're just a bit scary. I don't think I'd ever go to a restroom oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: So, I'm so, well, I don't want to jump topics here, but I, I am going to just out of curiosity. Yes, let's. So what about the, um, the like, online shopping um, grocery stores because wow. i do i i actually have a hard time spent i have a hard time i know you're supposed to shop with a list i'm sure of it but i don't and i am very I'm, i don't just buy what's on my list anyway it doesn't matter i'm the biggest impulse buyer but that that said um i'm very bad at putting things in my cart if it's a virtual cart what do what mm. are the tricks have the supermarkets mastered this yet or are we still in control
2: well look they've mastered it in different ways and look I think that the online uh, shopping environment is constantly evolving and I've done a bit of consulting with some of the kind of bigger supermarket chains around the online environment I think one of the difficulties we had moving online was what they were trying to do was to recreate the kind of shop store experience the bricks and mortar experience and put it online but we kind of know that people think differently when they're online as opposed to when they're in the supermarket or in the, in the actual bricks and mortar store. And one of the things that they know is that if they can move you through the process online fast, it, people are more likely to not defect, not leave the online store. So that's why as you kind of, you probably notice this, as you get closer and closer to the end of your shopping trip, they're doing things now like would you like to save your credit card details or would you like to use Apple Pay or Google Pay or something like that? And what that means is that from the point psycholo- psychologically where you've said, okay, I'm committed to buying these things, they do not want to create any more barriers to you getting out of the store, out of the online store, the virtual store. The other thing they do is that they, and and it happens with online gambling as well, is that they're constantly gathering Data about how you shop, how you move around within the online environment. This is kind of like what, you know, they were doing at um, Stanford University back in the 50s and the 60s, doing experiments on people just without an ethics approval. Um, <laughs> you're constantly experimenting what works and what doesn't for their different customers. And so when you sign up and when you shop online, you're part of an experiment that is constantly refining. And the and the interesting thing, I was about to say great thing, the interesting thing about Artificial intelligence and neural networking is that it is constantly conducting. So it poses hypotheses within the kind of black box of the of the um, the technology, and then it tests those hypotheses on people as they shop. And so we don't have to go out into supermarkets and get people to fill in questionnaires anymore. Um, for the for the most part, particularly with online shopping, they're doing the AI and the individuals running the, the kind of digital side of the, of the, um, so you're, the platform.
0: You're saying we're subject to that just by virtue of our shopping patterns online.
2: Yes. That we've already always. agreed to that. Yeah. And the point is that you've chosen to be in the, I don't even know if they have in the terms and conditions, um, whether they're saying you're going to be part of an experiment, but literally every time that you go online, um, you're, you are participating in data gathering and there's huge amounts of data. And maybe I, I'm trying to remember now, maybe five or 10 years ago, uh, uh, one of the um, big supermarket chains kind of came to me or came to us and said, we've got all this data. How do we analyze it? There, there, there is so much data that they don't know what to do with. But certainly where there's profit to be made, um, they're constantly understanding or trying to understand how different stimuli, different Um, ads or images or pricing, or even the shape of the kind of put it in your basket kind of approach, how that influences decision-making.
0: So what did you find? So they came to you, they said, devise (laughs) something. What was your first move? How did you handle it? Well,
2: one of the interesting things, and this wasn't related to the work that I did, but one of the interesting things was, if we're talking about kind of digital shopping, is that um, there's a kind of, there's a theory, Gestalt theory, which basically says that we, we, we see shapes and we like to close off shapes. And, and the classic one is, you know, with a lot of logos, they don't, they may not have a triangle or something like that, but they have the outline of a triangle. So you fill that gap in with some online, put it in your basket type things. They have a half closed shape of the put it in your basket and our natural inclination is that we want to close that and by and as we kind of run our cursor over it it closes and that then is more likely to make a person click put it in the basket than if it was just a blank or just a straight kind of box or something like that so even those kinds of things have an effect on the decisions and it's it's not everybody but it's enough in terms of margins to push people over the line What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, priceline.
1: What that's about me. what about coupons? That's something that's always confused me. What is this thing mm, what is this technology? <laughs> Has it?
2: Yeah. Couponing is not an Australian thing. So whenever <laughs> I go to the US, and it's not even because I spend a lot of time in the UK and Europe, it's it, it is a very American thing. And I understand the idea, which is to kind of create a sense of loyalty, Um, but it is a very particular person who's drawn to coupons, I would imagine, and it's probably people who are relatively organised, I think that's the other thing is actually do have to be organised, they're pushing it onto the the digital platform, um, and making it a little bit easier, but my take on it and certainly the research that I've seen is that it's it's actually not about you using the coupon, but about you feeling as if you would get a discount if you remember to use the coupons. And I think that's, again, a psychological thing. We kind of, you know, talk a lot about this, this idea of how we give weight to decision making. And if you feel that you're being offered discounts, even, even if you never use those discounts, we have a halo effect which says, well, I can trust this particular brand this supermarket because they care about me they're giving me pricing discounts even if you always forget your coupon book or something like that although i you know i speak interesting my brother um whenever i suggest we go out for dinner or something like that he says i'll just check my coupon book so there are coupons in australia it's just it's just not as common as it is in the u.s a
0: restaurant coupon book i like
2: that yeah it's an interesting. you 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 um it's i think it's like a restaurant club or something but he's always big on the Here's one where we get a 10% discount. It's kind of like, yeah, but do we really want to go there?
1: <laughs> yes. No, I'm, so there were, there was a show here. It was maybe like 10 years ago and it was called extreme couponing. And it was these people who would just fill up card after card and like, they didn't need 700 Gatorades, but if they bought them, it was all free, you know? And I was so inspired and I kind of became like a oh, low- people went
0: crazy for that show, Kirsten. I was crazy. I love Was it
2: like Survivor at the end of oh, Survivor? Know you had to vote people
0: out? <laughs> no, they would have they would have, I kid you not, nine supermarket carts full of stuff Just like dove soap it. whatever it was yeah. and they would ring up ring up ring up it would take how hours to ring it up
1: do you need you know yes.
0: and the, the total oh, bill yeah. would be like two dollars and seventeen cents and nobody understood it the entire American uh-huh. population does not understand how that is a possibility because nobody understands how to work coupons except the 12 people in our nation who have fully understood how to work coupons. <laughs> but did they really
1: understand it? Because how nobody needs a hundred Gatorades or 12 air or hundred air fresheners but but it was fascinating but I agree it is like it's more about i yeah it was a lot of work and
0: you beat the system
1: it was about beating the system yeah. we
0: love beating the system that's does our the, favorite we thing
1: to do does the same yes. thing apply and this is interesting too i love hearing the foreign perspective on this is um do do you do what about the discounts like just sales what's the psychology <laughs> of the sale?
2: Okay so that that's a a very interesting kind of field. Um, Some studies have actually shown that even the word sale increases the likelihood that a person will be drawn towards it. Very few people actually check whether something is on sale but the word sale and even something like the color red that says sale it does have an effect on people's minds which is this is something worth considering. If you kind of think about the brain, um, just think about the brain for a moment, <laughs> um, that basically most of the decision-making that happens happens in the kind of what we call the limbic system, so the kind of the emotional part of the brain. People like to think that they think, um, but firing up that prefrontal cortex, fi- firing up that thinking brain requires huge huge amounts of energy um, and we don't like to do it because we're not very good at actually using energy i like to kind of think of most humans as being a little bit like a labrador you know it just prefers to just sit around and kind of eat and do stuff thinking requires effort and we don't like to put a lot of effort the the only time that we actually are good at using that executive function that thinking brain is for small calculations for things that don't that might be a little bit new but it's quite exhausting so if we think about something like sales for example over time what we've learned is that when something is on sale, it's better value. And that's that's the process that we go through. By simply thinking about it in that way, simply giving it a little bit more weight, that thing that is on sale has an advantage over the things that aren't on sale. Now, if everything's on sale all the time, then there's no advantage. But we actually, if you if you think about trying to be as efficient as possible in decision-making, Our brain will go, it's just more efficient to not think this through just to assume that because something is on sale, it's better. It's the same with even luxury items or, um, you know, one of the things, I don't know, again, in in the US, but uh, I I do remember seeing in places like Trader Joe's is that, you know, like something that looks a bit French um, always feels a little bit more classy. Oh, wait, (laughs) did you see see number
0: 11 on our outline? foreign things why are they more fun yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) and again you know we don't check the bona fides it might have been made in France but it's very unlikely and I think again even if it's got like a French kind of writing or something like that I think again these are the kinds of things that just influence and even things like uh, you may be familiar with this study but there was a study that was done quite a long time ago now about 20 or 30 years ago that was done in a wine store and they found that when you when they played French music in the wine store, it increased sales of French wine, um, and it also increased if they played classical music, people spent nearly seventy percent more on the bottle of wine, on 70%? a bottle of wine, seventy percent than when they played top forty music. Um,
1: oh, I know exactly. Classy, they think they're at a classy cocktail party, not at just at like the neighborhood bar.
2: Exactly, seventy percent more fancy. I don't know. <laughs> So and again, when when the study found that people didn't notice the music that was being played when they left, they didn't even ask, you know, they kind of just said so tell us about your experience that kind of thing. So again, these things are happening at an unconscious level, we're not conscious of how it influences our decision making, we may be conscious that it's happening. But we're very, again, like I say, we're very vain, we think, oh, no, we're not going to be affected by this.
0: Do you wow. feel I'm I'm going off topic now, but Dr. Harrison Paul, um, that you have studied the human brain and its psychology and its functioning. Do you feel like we're all a little bit of idiots all the time? I mean, what is that? <laughs> mean? Well, he said I'm like Lavador, so I, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, not I mean, thinking, lovely.
2: <laughs> I know,
0: but I mean, does it when you fully understand the way that the brain works as you do? Does it does it make you just because I've done enough psychology study or to to be a little bit dangerous as well um Mm. does it kind of make you wonder about yourself sometimes like does it kind of make you just throw up your hands every day and just say like oh I'm just a product of my environment you know
2: at at a personal level Mm -hmm. I think I'm very chill with it all because Mm I I think I understand I think what I do is I accept that I'm flawed and I'm not hard on myself when I make mistakes Um, even though I am in my head (laughs) on myself (laughs) sometimes. But I think the thing is that one of the things I try to say to people is everybody makes these mistakes. Everybody is flawed. We're all a product of an evolutionary process that is incredibly slow, whereas the external environment moves incredibly fast. So don't be too hard on yourself. Um, Do your best. But if with the things that are important to you, try and process it, try and spend a little bit of time to think it through. One of the things that, you know, whether it's supermarkets or whether it's, you know, getting a credit card or anything like that is if it's something that has the potential to be high risk, then step away from the decision-making process, talk to somebody who you trust, somebody who can give you a a kind of different perspective. And so, I mean, I I know that there are a lot of people who get very um, uppity about their um, supermarket shopping and saving 10 cents here and there um, you're probably losing 10 cents in all sorts of other ways and Mm -hmm. you know anyone who's done economics would understand that kind of thing of you know that we, we we lose money all the time in terms of the way that we compare pricing relative to other prices but um the things that are important to you, and for me, the things that are important to me are my relationships with my kids, um, my relationships, the, th- the you know the the journey of life. Um, I think those kinds of things are important, and so I put effort into those things. But you know, if I if I go and I buy, I don't know French jam or something like that um it doesn't bother me because it actually makes me feel good and happy and um i know and i and i live a fairly and i get it i live a fairly affluent life although i did did grow up in a very poor family um i think one of the other things that i've discovered is um and one of the things i guess i've learned over the last couple of years and my daughter has taught me this is to say well you know um life is short you know why why worry about those things that um that you can't change, why not take from it what what you can to 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 have a happy life? I don't know if I'm getting too philosophical d- here, this is
0: no, I'm thinking this is absolutely beautiful. I never expected to take this direction. this is gorgeous <laughs> no, and you're yeah, it's interesting
1: like are so you're saying like at the end of the day because i I'll say it's more about like a like a i I don't know where the guilt comes from, but like oh. If mm. I don't sit there, like I, I don't know if you guys have like a, we have a we have Costco here, but you know it's yeah. like it's like a warehouse club, you know. Are you and, familiar uh, with
0: Costco? Well, Hold he may. I am and... look
2: familiar with. We do have a Costco warehouse here in Melbourne. Okay,
1: gotcha. that's a okay. big thing. <laughs> here. Big put... thing. Yeah, they, and we talk about Costco. At My father is
0: basically a professional Costco yeah. retired. He's, he's got his yep. own
1: gram because she goes to Sam's Club, not Costco. It's a whole thing we have to unpack on another episode. But, yep. he, but at Costco, they <laughs> do, you know the price per ounce or the price per unit.
2: Yes, yes.
1: I, I look at those, and you know this isn't spending a lot of time. But are, what you're saying is, in the grand scheme of things, because like I don't want to be the sucker. But you're saying in the grand scheme of things, like. The amount of time I'm spending looking at that at the end of the day, like, you know, one time. Does it of mean you're not to... hanging
2: with your kids? <laughs> <laughs> no, I-, I think unit pricing not, is interesting. Not, I'm not
1: saving so much money, that it's like, you, you know what, it, this is time well spent
0: here. Kirsten, I love that well, you're checking unit pricing. That's a, I'll go you, <laughs> go you. That's, I'm always checking unit it. pricing.
2: What it comes down to, and I'm going to—I don't know if it's a term that you have in the in the U.S., but whatever floats your boat. Um, I think if it makes you happy, as was it your father, Kirsten, who does this. Mm-hmm. Um, if if it makes him happy to be doing that, then do it. I think that's the thing: is that don't try and conform to—I um, I don't know—external forces saying this is the way you should do things. But actually, he might be just the kind of person. Or you know, person X might be just the kind of person who gets their happiness from feeling like they've made a saving. But I, I think that's the thing: is that we've we've got to find our own way. The things that make us happy. If it if it drags you down, and you find that it's be, it's become it's making your life unpleasant, then you know to some degree you need to kind of Cast step away out. from it for a bit. Yeah, okay. and I. Think-
1: you know what makes me so happy. The first time my children, Paul, ever saw, um, ever saw a oh gosh, what? Oh gosh, I'm forgetting the name. What's it called? The Graham, help me. The infomercial. The first time I ever saw an infomercial made me oh. so happy because when you talk about the psychology of consumerism, like to watch a child who's never watched an infomercial come in woke us up out of a sleep and said guys there's a special offer it's only available right now and if you call right now you're gonna get two and it was amazing they're like your water could be contaminated mom and to watch like children being manipulated by these things that yeah. were
2: like
0: was, oh, I love watching my children get manipulated. They had so that amazing. one day with some sort of funny app. It was amazing. They came in and they're like, mom, you've got to get this app. It helps you save so much money and blah, blah, blah. And they were so serious about it. Oh, it was made my day. It was so yeah, they It's funny to
1: see like children who've never been marketed to before, their first experience mm. with marketing and how they're like, this, this could save us millions, mom. We need to <laughs> we need to install solar panels tomorrow. We're wasting time, you know? <laughs>
2: It's great. I've seen adults behave the same way. I think that's the interesting <laughs> thing is that we never really stop. I, I remember having a meeting with a whole bunch of regulators um, and they said it would never happen to us. And I was able to kind of trick them into making decisions that they weren't able, that they weren't thinking about. And I think one of the things is that giving people a sense of control makes people feel like they're in control. And I don't know if it's the same in in the US, but um, one of the really interesting things in Australia is the energy com- conversation, you know, so gas and electricity mm-hmm. and things like that. And so all of the governments have rolled out these apps that tell you how much energy you're using, which is a bit like unit pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, you know, some people, I, I imagine that lots of people are downloading the app when it f- is first installed, looking at it and going, gee, I, I, I use seven cents in the last hour, and then not looking at it again for another three or four weeks or never again. And it just sits mm-hmm. on their phone, but it gives you this sense of control. And again, if we think about what it is to be human, feeling in control is probably better than feeling out of control, because even a sense of being, feeling like you're in control is, is a good thing for your mental health. Um, yeah. I, I, I just think that a lot of even a lot of decision making that goes on is that we like to feel like we're in control. And if we do feel like we're in control, then that's, you know, half of the half of the problem solved.
0: Genius. I think that's why Peloton and Apple Watch have done so well. I think humans love mm-hmm. metrics. I think we love a good little metric, a way to compete against ourselves and measure against ourselves and feel like we've met our standing goal and our sitting goal and our moving goal, all the goals.
2: And it feels objective as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it kind of feels like, oh, this is this is y So, you know, it's, it's yeah. got to be right. I think um, a, a good col- a good friend of mine, Cordelia Fine, she writes quite a bit around, around this. She talks about how you know, attaching somebody to an fMRI machine in terms of their brain, it just makes people feel as if this is a much more reasonable test than actually walking through people's kind of problems that they might be having in their lives. Because if you can point towards something going on in the brain, people just go, Oh yeah, that's a machine. Yeah. Machines can tell us something. Whereas, you know, um, we, we do feel like humans are flawed. And I think an app, technology itself gives us the impression that it's objective when in fact it's not and and we know that because you know just the mere fact of programming something into an app decides what's important and what isn't important. Hmm.
0: Good point. (laughs) I feel like you have unpacked a lot this evening. I know
2: (laughs) this was meant to be a supermarket conversation. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's how I don't think you, you're you this is your first time on Welcome Home, Paul, you've actually earned an invitation back. Uh, um, <laughs> you're very
2: kind.
0: Actually, I had one more question kind of well, I mean, I'm mm. sure we'll come up with a few more. But I remember learning a while ago, and I can't believe this hasn't made it because I learned this back in 07, that at some point we were going to be RFID driven, right, so that you would walk yeah. into a, getting what?
1: No, I'm just saying. Yeah, that was that was a big. Everything's gonna be already, and then it kind of. so the
0: concept being, let me just say that for anyone who's not familiar, right? You go into a supermarket that during the Super Bowl, and you realize that you need to buy salsa and tortilla chips, and the price is. Rather than you know the way it's printed out right now, so the tortilla chips would be two dollars and twenty nine cents, and that's printed out on a you know piece of little cardboard that's stuck in front of the tortilla chips. It would actually be an, a movable RFID tag, such that the price of tortilla chips and salsa and or beer would go up during the Super Bowl. You mm. know, and that you'd have fluctuating commodity prices. And it made sense to me that that was something that I could actually see happening. I just feel like it's very old fashioned that we still have. Um, little paper pieces in front of our products the way, I mean, think about it, gas prices change on a daily basis, and we're totally fine with that. So why that many years later, are we still walking into supermarkets with where we're having staff that has to do like price changes on things and put out little stickers that just seems so old fashioned.
2: I I think it's when technology pushes up against kind of human feelings of unfairness. We, We do the same thing with, you know, Ubers, when we catch an Uber, they have, um, Great higher surge prices during mm-hmm. surging that that whenever you book a flight on an airline they have different pricing um, so I think this is the thing is that uh, different contexts don't necessarily lend themselves to the same strategy or the same tactics and certainly you know this is the thing is that you don't want to necessarily copy the tactic of one context whether it's you know airlines or whether it's something like that and then apply it to yours and so It is more also about the kind of human um, issues. People probably, when these things started being introduced, people probably started saying that's unfair. And fairness is a big part of, you know, human behaviour and human decision-making. But people were were okay with the fairness of airline prices or or, or Uber surge pricing. Um, I mean, we can probably think of a whole bunch of different ways where pricing does fluctuate depending on the context Supermarkets are an interesting one. They do fluctuate. It's not as fast as it. Um, And if you think about things even like end cap displays and stuff like that, they're about fluctuating prices and sales and things like that. But it's not as, I guess it's not as uh, extreme as maybe, and, and we're not as willing to accept it as it is for other contexts. Well, it's so
0: labor intensive. You have to have some supermarket employee move everything over to the MCAT, move the price thing. I mean, wouldn't it just be great if you could just leave everything where it needs to be, keep it all the same and just had some sort of RFID computer chip that would just, you could just instantly from the front of the store change the pricing? Just seems smarter to me.
2: Smarter, but probably more expensive and um, cardboard or paper I don't know I mean I think this is the thing is I I do a lot of consulting for organizations and in the end a lot of decision making is done kind of at at the pointy end so you give them all this evidence to say this is probably your best way to do it but then they go probably too hard too expensive people will come and stab it and wreck it and stuff like that so let's just not do it whereas just like rip it off I gotcha yeah and and I think that's the thing is that the, there may come a point when these kinds of things work, but it is also, there's a whole bunch of other kind of critical elements. And I'll, I'll tell you a story about one particular context where the evidence said one thing, but the decision was completely different. If, you, if you're if you happy for me to tell you this. Oh, we're um, happy. Cool, cool, cool. So I I did a study with a colleague a couple of years ago. Um, we kind of published it in a couple of journals and at a, spoke about it at a couple of conferences. But basically it was about the effect of music and fragrances or smells on decision making. And one of the really interesting things that came out of it was that in reality, um, and this was in a financial institution in a bank um, and in their branches, and one of the things that came out of it was that actually it had a small effect on um, a, a person's loyalty and their kind of experience of the bank, but it had no effect at all on the kind of value of the customer. And one of the really interesting things that came out of that was that as time went on, and as we kind of explained this, we kind of said to the, the CEO and the, um, the head of the organisation, the, the bank itself, saying, look, you know, the bottom line is that it does have an effect, but whether this has an effect on your organisational profits or whatever, um, it's questionable. And the decision was made, well, we quite like the smell and we quite like the music so let's just go ahead and do it anyway and so there was this whole kind of oh my gosh you know like we've gone to all this trouble but in the end they go yeah but it smells nice so I quite like it so literally it was the decision of the you know the executive just went yeah it's nice we don't care if it has no return on investment that's fine and I think that's how a lot of business decisions are made you know a lot of sponsorship for example really has no effect on the brand but people love turning up to football games with their their colleagues and stuff like that so i think you bring the human part to it um it still comes back to what i was talking about earlier is that sometimes we can get so caught up in the data so caught up in the in the knowledge when actually we're just saying yeah but you know i i'm the ceo i quite like taking you know business people to the the footy So, yeah, it's all right. I don't mind. That's
0: amazing. (laughs) So uh, this is genius. Okay, so you're telling me that when, you know, I don't even know, Lay's Potato Chips sponsors the Super Bowl or whatever it will be, or Kia cars sponsor the Super Bowl, that it really has no effect on external consumers, that it's just Kia wants to do that just for the fun of it? Partly. I
2: I, I think it's, well, one of them is... I'm not going to
0: buy a Kia because Kia sponsored the Super Bowl. Like, I will never do
2: that. The trade, well, the trade-off is... So it's not as it's not as direct as that. The trade-off is, you, if you're there, you have a presence, mm-hmm. and your competition doesn't. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. That Kia will only appeal to the people who are goal-oriented. Uh, we return to that term. Mm. Who are who want to own a car like a Kia. So if you're you've never even considered owning a Kia, then you're not interesting to them. But what it does is it reinforces the likelihood of people who are already goal-oriented to buy that, and particularly with advertising. And interestingly, it's good that you brought up, brought up car brands because car brands advertising works best for people who are already owners because what it does is it says to them, you're a good decision maker, you've made the right decision. Now go forth and tell all your friends how much you love your car because we love to be told, that we're smart. And yes, advertising tells us we're smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: That's
1: amazing.
0: Mm. Oh. Kirsten, you stopped us dead in our tracks, Paul.
1: <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the times. Yeah. I'm just thinking, You're just about, thinking all the- about
0: all our decisions.
1: <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about how I spend mm. Oh gosh, Paul, we can talk to you all day. This is really interesting. And of course, like how we spend our money, how we spend our time, We none of us want to believe we're being Manipulated, but you've kind of made it okay. You've taken me from a place of being very upset to like, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. So I appreciate it We're because Paul works we... for
2: the
0: mani- manipulators.
2: <laughs> He's hired <laughs> no, by all of them. No, I I'm don't. Teasing. I actually I'm work teasing. for the protectors. I'm
1: teasing.
2: <laughs> but one of the <laughs> things I would say, for the
1: manipulators. <laughs> <Just>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I walk away from them, but I. It's. I think it's that thing of I like to secretly you know, change it a little bit up for them and get them thinking a little bit more ethically. And I think certainly in my teaching, I always kind of say to the students, you know, you you do need to be responsible, but I can't go to their houses and their workplaces and say, stop doing that. So, you know, in the end, you give people the tools to do the right thing, whether they do the right thing or not is, is another issue.
1: Well, that comes across for sure. Um, Thank you so much for being here. This was awesome. Dr. Paul Harrison, uh, we appreciate you coming from Deakin Business School all the way from Australia. Thank you so much (laughs) for spending some time with us. And I'm sure our listeners really enjoyed this as much as we did. This was fabulous. Thank you
2: for the opportunity. Thanks so much.
1: And that's all we have from Kirsten and Graham. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Welcome Home. If you're interested in hearing more from the iconic best friend duo, please subscribe, tell your friends about us, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook for giveaways and other exciting updates. Until next time, welcome home.